Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to tell you about this podcast. It's called The DK Project, but it's really The Darren Show. The DK Project is a radio show, but without the radio. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. Let's go! Hello, and welcome to The DK Project. On today's episode, we got a special treat for you on all this election madness. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. Here we go, election week, and we're bringing out the big guns. I get a call from independent candidate Scott, a.k.a. Danger Mouse, who's uh, written his name in for President of the United States. And I thought with all the election craziness and all the madness going on, this would be a fitting call for today. See if you can follow along and uh, chime in with a text or an email to the DK Project podcast at gmail.com. If you've got some comments or if you know of some corruption, if I can speak, if you know of some corruption or anything, get us, get a, get in touch with us. We'll get you on the air and we're going to talk about it. Until then, enjoy the episode. And just remember, if Scott's political dreams don't come true, there's always a spot for him at Bushwood. But I have a lot of things that are on order, you know, credit trouble. Uh, I'm an assistant greenskeeper. They say that doesn't mean anything, you know, until I'm the head greenskeeper. Uh, fire up. Uh, with my lips? Yeah. I don't think right so, at, Carl. Just right back. People say, you know, I'm an idiot or something because all you do is cut lines for a living, you know? Oh, uh, people don't say that about you as far as you know. Well, I'm working on it, you know, so I don't ever have to, you know, I'm going to be the head greenskeeper. Hopefully within six years, that's my, my schedule. But I, I'm studying a lot of this stuff so I know it, you know, like, uh, you know, chinch bugs, you know, manganese. There we go. Now we're talking. All right, so we've got Scott Scott, who's an independent candidate for President of the United States. First of all, Scott, where are you located? Are you in Minneapolis? St. Paul, Minnesota. St. Paul, Minnesota. Downtown St. Paul. All right, and you you are, are you on the ballot? I wrote myself in independent. No, not on the ballot. There's no independents running. So you haven't come through yet. So it's not actually on the ballot. You're, uh, you're- It was nothing, go ahead. Gotcha. You're making a run for it on your own. Yeah, there was nothing on the ballot. Okay. Um, I voted for Trump, but the Democrats can't trust the Democrats. Yeah, you know, right, or, right, or, right. I was stepping away, so I wrote my name in, in, in the independent. It was a blank slot. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with a lot of the funny business going on with St. Paul Police Department over my whole lifetime. So you grew up in St. Paul? The street, St. Paul, Minnesota, on yeah. West 7th Street. And what? Uh, and, and so, why are you calling into the show today? You're you've got some problems with the police. Paul, police, yes, I do. So, what exactly happened? Walk me through it. Well, what happened was after I got done voting, I came home, and um, actually the other day I happened to run into somebody that uh, was doing burglaries down in, on the West Seventh Street, and what she did was spit in my face, and I was at a friend of her house, and she's just. She's a meth dealer and everything like that. So I said, okay. And Jimmy Dore got up in the room. She's got a whole wall of, of power tools. And I took one of the little red Milwaukee grinder and took it back and, and told the St. Paul Police Department I had evidence to a crime street that was going down on West 7th Street. Okay. She's a, she's a, yeah, okay, go ahead. No, no, I'll just keep going. Oh, I'm... yeah. And then when I called them, finally called them, they sent a sergeant to my door. His name was... Uh, Bjorkman. Oh, I remember that as my brother-in-law's name is Bjork. His name is Bjorkman. Okay. And I let him in my apartment. 
And he just blew it off. Like I said, well, well, what do you mean? You know, I said, well, go down. I told him, I, because I, I live in 7th Street, and a lot of people, friends of mine have been telling me they've been, you know, coming up missing, you know, stuff out of the garage. And it's just power tools. And the cop says, well, you know, it wasn't reported. Well, of course, because it's all they're taking, it's power tools. You know, just as that. And I found where they're at. Okay. I report that. Yeah, you know, I try to report that. And then, and then I called you know, the, the guy. I said, well, I'll just get a hold of Finney and, and Sam Ballard, they're friends of mine, old, old chief of police, and Sam Ballard is a sergeant. But they're both retired. And then I called back to internal affairs again because I can't get an over with a uh, regular number, even 911, keeping the run around. And they said, the one guy told me I should have wrote his name down. Well, we're going to send somebody else down there you know, to pick up the power tool. So I went down to the lobby. They called me. Here's the same Bjorkman down in the lobby. And I handed him the power tool. When you shake his hand, I said, oh, I can't shake your hand. He left. And, you know, and I called back up and said, why did you send that guy? And I kept telling him, you know, other things were going on in this town. It was kind of funny business. And right. it's a long story. And I called back down. And finally, I got a hold of a General Affairs. Her name was Amy. And that's all she gave me. She gave me her phone number. If anything else happens, give me a call. And this is like only a half hour ago. And all of a sudden, I got 10 cops trying to jump out on me. on crossing the door today right in the circle there. And I called her back, and it's a 651-703 number, 7147. She had just given me this number a half hour earlier, and it's disconnected. Okay, okay. And she's, she's internal affairs, right? Okay. And, and I tried calling Minneapolis. So, so what, do you, what, do you, what do you think's going on? You found you, – so you found... there's, there's a lot of corruption in the St. Paul Police Department. I live in St. Paul for since all my life. I know St. Paul Police Department. I know the whole history of St. Paul Police Department when they're in the back of the game. On second thought, maybe it's not Carl Spackler. Maybe it's, well, you have a listen. Uh, and uh, at Merriweather, he just made a great play. Took the, faked the guy on the outside, stepped inside him, and uh, made the block. It was a, a hell of a uh, game. I mean, I mean, shit, uh, for 23 bucks, if you can get more excitement than that, uh, hell, you're in the wrong uh, operation. It's a hell of a, a hell of a game. And I'm going to say something. As long as I'm in this fucking job, Snelker will be the offensive coach. I mean, no, no question fucking about that. No, no fucking question about that. Now, we, uh, I don't like to name names after a fucking after a fucking game. But we we can't we can't be responsible for the blocking. We can't be responsible for the fucking guys jumping offside. We can't be responsible for fuck. We get down there and and uh, and it was a dumb play by by Anderson. I love I love Anderson, but it was a dumb fucking play when he had when his foot was uh, shoe was coming off up the line screen. We were hard and take timeout. We had a fucking trap play called and and, and his, his fucking shoe comes off. How how do you, how do you know? Like how, how? Because I did research on the whole city. Way back to Dillinger and Rob Barker and all that, when St. Paul Police Department sold their souls and let all the gangsters here, and they messed up with, with their primary kidnapping and all this stuff, and the Pioneer Press had to buy machine guns to fight them off, and yeah, and Lindbergh kidnapping, Charles Lindbergh's son was taken. Really? A little, bo- little Bohemia raid, all that. And we had Dillinger down at the Rams County where I went to cast my... Uh, cast my ballot say landmark center is the old federal courthouse we had dillinger in that courthouse before and how did he get away from us and last time i heard he got killed in chicago by the lady in red set him up and he got him in, in the alley 
when the lady in red actually was wearing an orange dress. <laughs> How did he get away from Ramsey County? You can go down to Landmark Center right now and go in the basement on the right-hand side, and there's all the pictures and everything went with us. And there's Jones. I know the story. They had him here in Ramsey County. How did he get away from us? Yeah. Interesting. Sorry, I, I can go. I can go on. I know the whole history. So, of this well, right, but we need to get back to what's going on with the uh, police. Because I'm getting, I'm getting closer to the whole point of the story. Is they're still corrupt in this town, just laying low. I've been watching these guys for years. And this is all over power tools. No, this is all over. Them guys are corrupt. I tried to give them the power tools. They blew me right, off. But how do you and know they're corrupt? Because they wouldn't. Because take- I, because my girlfriend's missing in action, and Amy here at. Internal uh, affairs numbers disconnected. How, it's bigger than that, dude. How long has I'm your sorry. girlfriend been missing? Like about five minutes. I just left her and she's gone at, at her work. So she's at work. She's not really missing. She was there about five minutes ago, but she's gone. Oh. And just when I was leaving her work, a cop watching behind me as I was leaving. Oh, really? I went back. I went back down there ten minutes later, and she's gone. Oh. Where uh, does she work? Yeah. Not not she specific. She might, she's down by 7th Street by Cooper's. Oh, Seven really? St. Clair. Yeah. And she's not there. She's not there. She's just, I was just seeing her a minute ago. And, yeah. And then, yeah. And, and then, I did, and when I got back, we back to back to my apartment. I didn't have the Amy's number on me. Yeah. With, uh, Affairs, I called that number back and it's disconnected. This is really bigger than, you know, this is just small stuff. So, I mean, this is just part of the story. Yeah. So how do you think? Uh, how do you think? Uh, why, I mean, why does Internal Affairs need to get involved? Do you think that you're not getting? Because the St. Paul Police Department themselves, the sergeants and everything like that, the whole police department is corrupt. But Internal Affairs, affairs, because they ain't doing nothing to help me to give me the runaround. At the same time, they're trying to staff me in the Rams County Courthouse. Right. It's a long story. I can I can produce my records, but I ain't got the time right now. Yeah. I just wanted to get out there. That you know, these guys are messing around, and they're messing around with my people. Right, right. It's a big story, dude. I'm telling you, it goes way, way, and way big. I'm talking to the courthouse on down. So, what do you, uh, what do you do for a living? You know, if you would, I'm a construction worker. If you don't win the uh, candidacy for president, what, uh, what do you got to go back and do tomorrow? Your construction. No, I decided to sign a signing vote for next for the next election. Oh, gotcha. Independent party. Well, I got a few backers and stuff like that. Yeah. Signing myself. Right. And, you know, I, I know a lot of things too. And after that, and I can't get anywhere trying to report a crime in my neighborhood or anywhere. Yeah. It's like they don't care. I know. I I, I don't need no troublemakers in my neighborhood. But it seems that the St. Paul Police Department don't care about that. Every time I report a crime, they just blow it off. And I end up, end up in jail or in the psych ward. What's so? It's a big right. story, dude. And you had said that you had President Trump that got you into the election, that you had his phone no, number. No, he did. I called I call and got information to get into his independent. I called his hotline. Oh, so you don't have his actual number? Uh, somewhere around here. Right, right, right. Is is that to leave messages? Yeah. And you haven't yeah. heard back from him? No, he's a, he's a busy on the campaign. I called the other day, and I called the Secret Service, too, and the FBI about this funky business going around my town. Yeah. I got their numbers, too, here somewhere. And it's bigger than what you think. We're talking Biden. What do you mean, we're talking Biden? Yeah, if you're watching the fucking elections, yeah. Biden's a bunch of bullshit. His federal mandate is basically 
emergency powers takes away all emergency powers from all the governors of all 50 states. It's federal mandate, which turns, takes everyone away from the governors, puts it back in his hands. That sounds like a dictatorship to me. Yeah. Nice. Sure does, don't it? So it right? sounds like you've done your homework on this one. I've been doing my homework. Oh, yeah, you betcha. And they keep blaming it on Trump, and Trump's been doing the right thing. When they had the riots, they all blamed it on Trump. He sat back in the White House. That's up to the governors to handle their own situation. And he sat back and said, hey, you guys, you guys need any, any help? Just give me a call. Right. And they're trying to blame him like he did something wrong. No, that was the way, way to do it. They're putting it back on Trump saying it's all his fault. No, it wasn't. Biden wants to take everything away from the governors and do it himself. Trump, that's, that's a delegation of power. You, you, you got generals and sergeants and captains. You don't just take you know, you don't just take over power like you're a Hitler, right? Right. And it's not his fault. Exactly. And everything, right? And it's a big piss of him. Exactly. No, that makes total sense. I think uh, I think you're onto something there. So now, what's what's next? I mean, what what are you going to do if the uh, girlfriend's missing? And uh... oh, she'll turn up. I'm just waiting on the results of the election. She'll turn up because the cops know I'm hot on them. Uh, so I mean, they can't really do that. They're just running around in circles around my town. I'm laughing at them. I say, "Dude, what the fuck's your problem?" Right. Right. You know, it's all I'm doing. A bunch of punk ass bitches, really. If you ask me. I gotcha. Well, I'm gonna pull my danger mouse on him, dude. What the fuck do you think you're up to? Right. That's all you do. I've been watching so these guys for years. What about the meth dealer that has all the tools? What are we doing about that? No, I have not done nothing about that. Apparently, she still got the tools, which is cool. She can have the tools now. I mean, hey, I, I'm worried about that. She's going to have them now. Saying about police department don't want them. She's cool. You actually happen to be a friend of mine that spit in my face. Why'd she spit in your face? She got pissed off at me because you know I don't thought she was a fucking ugly looking bitch. She, she, was she started bitching at me. She started fucking yelling at me for some stupid reason. I told her, shut the fuck up, bitch. And she came and spit in my face. Wow. I knew she had the tools for a long time. I don't have nothing to do with hot tools. Yeah. I tried to put it to the police department. They just laughing it off like nothing happened. So she can keep your tools. I, I, I'll leave her be. I want the cops that are doing, they're doing their job and they're messing up. And it's just all funny that it's over here. Right. Right. I'm just weeding out, I'm just weeding out the terrors, what I'm doing. Weeding out what? Weeding the tears out. It's a, it's a, uh, it has to do with the Bible. It's a, it's a Christian thing. Weeding the tears out. Oh. Basically, weed the tears out. You get a wheat, you're growing wheat, and a tear is a weed that looks like wheat. It's an imposter. Oh. Back in the Bible, Christmas days, you weed out the tears. I mean, somebody gets in the wheat field and takes all the imposters out. That makes sense. That it's makes in the Bible. Sense. That's the picture of what I've been doing lately around this neighborhood. Okay. I've been watching these guys setting them up, man. Okay, here it's time. So now, what what uh, what other corruption do you know with the uh, with the police? Oh, all kinds of stuff. No, narcotics, uh, uh, vice, uh, um, police, uh, um, hitting drug dealers and turning around and selling it back to them. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, doing yep, doing raids and selling dope. Yeah, selling dope to actually uh, friends, people I because I actually. You know, I do a little bit of drugs while I'm not even doing them anymore, but back in the day, you know, you say, hey, I got it from dude, what? Really? Uh, you're selling it back to, you're getting big stashes and selling it back to the lower, lower people. Oh, They're I into all kinds of stuff over here, dude. I've been watching these guys for years. Man, you got the inside scoop. Uh, I can give you my, I can give you my, 
you can give me my, I give you my number and we can talk again. But yeah. I'm gonna go look for my girlfriend. Well, yeah, you should go look for your girlfriend, man. Let That's me. That's what uh, do. This is the best number to reach you at here. Six one two. No, don't leave that yeah. out. Uh, What's that? We don't want we don't want that on. Yeah, there. yeah, I don't want my number out there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that ends poorly for you. Yeah, I'm serious. This is this is good stuff, man. I'm telling you. Right on, I man. Got stuff goes way well, let me do this. Goes. Let me. Uh, I'll, I'll mix this into a show here, and uh, and uh, and we'll t- check in on with you on down the road and see what's happening. And uh, you can be yeah. our you can be our undercover correspondent in St. Paul. Oh, I'm on the case. Danger Mouse is on the case. Danger, Danger Mouse. Mouse. Yeah. That's right. I'm on the case. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, go keep me AKA, AKA Danger Mouse. All right, Danger Mouse. You go find your girlfriend and uh, we'll check in with you somewhere down the road. We're going to boss. All right. Thanks, man. Later. <laughs> there you have it. Danger Mouse to the rescue. How about that? Don't you feel safer knowing that he's on the street? My uh, my new private eye <laughs> breaking down the case. Danger Mouse. No, that's pretty cool. It was an interesting conversation that actually came across on a cold call. <laughs> happy day, happy day. We are doing some filler stuff here while the DK project is on a little break. Sajid Swites has got his hands full with some COVID cases. It seems to be a lot closer to home now. A lot more people near are getting it, and uh, I just want to remind everybody to wear a mask. Do the right thing. If you're in public around people, wear a mask. Make sure you're using plenty of hand sanitizer. It's not like you haven't heard this a million times. It's just like when you're back in grade school. Wear a mask. Do the right thing. Wash your hands. Da-da-da-da-da. We'll get back to you shortly with more of the DK Project. As a recovering insurance guy and a property owner, I know the value of a good restoration company. When something goes wrong, you want to know you got somebody you can count on. Say you have storm damage, or it could be water, fire, any kind of damage. Don't take the insurance companies on alone. Call Grady Restoration. Let's be honest, you wouldn't go to court without a lawyer. Why would you try and deal with these huge insurance companies all by yourself? Bring in the professionals at Grady Restoration. There's a lot of pop-ups, storm chasers. Go with the company you can trust. With over 26 years in the industry, you make one call, they'll handle it all. Securing the property, the adjuster, the repairs, the paperwork, and everything in between. They've done a few projects for me and I couldn't be happier. I didn't have to do anything. If you're not sure if you have storm damage, Make the call. They'll come out, take a look, and let you know what your options are. Take the stress out of a stressful situation. Call the pros at Grady Restoration. For a free consultation, call 763-238-8127 or check them out on the web at GradyRestoration.com. Don't forget to tell them you heard about it on the DK Project. Here's a classic rewind back to June 21st of 2019. Before anybody knew what a pandemic was, before anybody knew uh, how bad it would suck to wear a mask all day and sit six feet away from everybody. This is back when things were, you know, air quotes, normal. But enjoy this clip from the Mark Normand interview. He happened to chime in and uh, sat down with us for about an hour. So enjoy the highlights. All right. Welcome, podcast fans. Today is a big day. We are, uh, we're recording a day early, but that's due to special circumstances. I got Dave here in the passenger seat. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. You caught me drinking water right there. And on the line, we have the one and only Mr. Mark Norman. How are you, sir? Hey, hey living the dream. A little hungover, a little gay. <laughs> Still, huh? There's nothing wrong with that. Always. Where are we finding you at yeah. today? Uh, I'm actually in New York City in my apartment in Manhattan. 
Nice. What uh, were you out uh, getting after last night or what? Yeah, you know, just sitting at the cellar, had a couple pops, and it's always, hey, we'll have one more, one more, and that turns into 17, and then you all blow each other. <laughs> and all of a sudden the uh, lights are on and it's time to go home, huh? Yeah, every time. Nothing like that. Who was at the cellar last night? Oh, uh, you know, it was a little Sam Morrill, a little Ari Shafir, a couple of Jews, just having a couple cocktails. <laughs> nice. You guys band together, huh? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know, comedy's like a, it's like war. You get out there, you get killed, or you you kill them, and it's humiliating, and you're it's just trying to survive. Is that your home club then, the cellar? Or what yeah, you, yeah, what you would like, call your home club? How long have you been out there in the big uh, NY? Oh geez, I'm pushing twelve years now. It's it's getting a little. I'm getting a little uh, long in the tooth, as they say. But uh, yeah, I moved here from New Orleans. Got mugged three times in the first year. Landlord died of AIDS. Nice. Got bed bugs. <laughs> you <laughs> name it. You're living the story, huh? That's rough. <laughs> oh yeah. Outstanding. But you stayed. Tread on. <laughs> yeah, I had nothing else going on. I was rudderless. This was. Sadly, getting mugged a bunch was not the worst thing going on in my life. Well, you got to dig in a little deeper than that. What? What? Wait a minute now. Let's start with the muggings. (laughs) So are these like gunpoint, knife? What are we talking? Old New York? No, this is Giuliani, New York, right? 12 years ago? 07, 07, whatever that was. Was that Giuliani? Sure. Yeah. That was supposed to be safe then. (laughs) So I mean, it was pretty safe, but it was also pre-camera phone, you know, pre-GPS. So it was kind of, it was a little more Wild West. Nice. <laughs> I like that. So, That's so a wrap. how exactly Bring did the, the first mugging happen, and how did you not just run for the hills? Well, I guess I should say I was a huge booze bag, so I would fall asleep on the train. I would be bouncing off the walls. You know, I lived way out in Brooklyn. I was a sitting duck. I was the white guy with the earbuds in, singing Willie, Billy Joel, you know? Nice. Is that what, is that what uh, prompted you to get after the nap chat? Oh, yeah, that was just because you walk around New York, there's so many nut jobs that uh, I saw a lot of people snoozing. And it just hit me like, I always take a photo of them. And I was like, man, I have 3,000 people sleeping in different situations in the Big <laughs> Apple. Why not make it a negative series i'm telling you i like it i watch for it and uh wow and uh i could only imagine i i don't do a whole lot of time out there on uh in manhattan but i have done some time and yeah it's different it's not uh it's not for the faint of heart that's for sure so there's guys jerking it there's whiz everywhere it's it's hobos it's bananas so technically you didn't get uh shook down you were napping and someone took your (laughs) shit is what you're saying yeah, yeah. One time uh, I fell asleep on the train. I woke up. There was a guy kneeling next to me with his hands in my pocket. And I was so drunk that I, I popped up and I hit my head on the bar on top of the, the seat. <laughs> and I fell back down and he was just laughing. He was cool as a cucumber. He was like, don't worry. The train will turn around. You'll be fine. And he as he's taking shit. your stuff? Yeah, he was. He kind of moonwalked right out the door and just gave me like a a, a hat tip and was like, "Hey, take it easy, buddy." <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So after you took pictures of the three thousand people sleeping that you saw over your time there, what? Why did you decide to become one of them? No, this is pre. Well, I, he started. Yeah, I started he started napping. 
Oh, yes. see, I need to pay more attention. Yeah, you do. What the hell you got going on over there today? Well, in the black hole. I will tell you, and this is not to steal the deal, right before I left home to come here. You were napping? Nope. My wife asked me if I would mix her up some stain to get uh, stain something that she just got. Yeah. So I did that, and I'm in a hurry to get down to the studio here. And I turned around, and I hit the stain right all over the floor oh. of my garage. So literally, I cleaned it up, and I'm here, and I'm sitting here. So you here. have stained floors in your garage now? Yes, my, my garage People floor is now stained. People pay for that shit. I know. So I was sitting here thinking about how big of a mess that is. Oh, so well, I thanks, will pay thanks attention for focusing on, on the guest and the <laughs> Sorry, show. Mark. Sorry about that, Mark. We got a we got a uh, looks like we're gonna have a meeting after the show about might uh, be. Dave's future here at the cast. <laughs> oh, hey, good luck, Dave. Appreciate <laughs> <laughs> it. So what? Uh, you're doing some acting and some uh, comedies. Your 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 mainstay. But I saw on your Wikipedia yep. that you're also a writer and uh, potentially 35 or 36. How does that happen? You do a window? <laughs> you, you uh, well, to... I mean, I'm a writer, but I'm a writer of comedy, so I'm not really, I'm not oh. Kurt Vonnegut over here, but I you know, I write jokes and I write, I've written a bunch of TV shows that did not get picked up. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, so I've done all that, but I, I'm, I'm a horrible actor. I'm, I'm really just a stand-up comic at the end of the day. That's really all I can all I can give you. Nice. No, that's cool. I uh, We had uh, Brent Gill on last week or the week before do you know him he's out of colorado does some uh big time at the comedy works there but uh oh, okay that was kind of interesting but anyway back to uh back to living in, in nyc that's uh that's where it's going to stay you're not you no interest in those freaks out there in california eh? Nah, i go visit i mean i love la it's it's a fun town but it's dead it's dead inside there's no uh soul in la you know everybody's working everybody's climbing the 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 showbiz ladder. Nobody's really friends. It feels like it, no one hangs out. There's no interaction. Everybody's in their car. It's very isolating in LA. So I go visit. I soak up all the fun. I hit the beach. I go gay. I, I drink. A, I get a taco. But uh, you get in, you get out. I feel like LA. That there's not enough. It's comfortable. The weather's great. You get a bigger apartment. You got your own car. You're not sitting next to a guy on the subway rubbing one out. But <sighs> I, I need that. I need a little spice. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like you're running into a lot of the spice. So then you've got your your group out there. Uh, who are you, who are your 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 boys that you hang out with regularly in the uh, in the comedy world? Are you uh, got a regular group, or is it just kind of uh, who's ever at the cellar, whoever uh, is at the club? Yeah, I got you. Got your uh, you got your crew out here. You got your Joe List, your Gary Veters, uh, Sam Rill, and Ari. Uh, Joe Mackey, Matt Ruby. We, we got a whole gaggle of skanks, but, uh, yeah, you know, comedy's a, it's a lonely business. You're really, you're out on your own. You're like an old grizzled cop. You know, I work alone and you got a couple guys at the precinct that you, you chop it up with, but it's mostly just you out there just getting your ass kicked on the road. Right on. I, uh, I, I, you know, I think that, uh, I just saw you were touring with, uh, Kreischer. How was that over in Europe? That was, oh uh, man, that had to be intense, huh? It was two weeks straight of drinking every day, every night. I, I, I had a blast. I mean, you know, Copenhagen, Dublin, Amsterdam, England, Scotland, you name it. The whole goddamn UK, (laughs) but I think I took three years off my life. I mean, the guy's an animal. He truly is the machine. Like, he can drink in the morning and then go work out 
keep drinking in the day. Like he'll just sip on a beer. He'll do like some editing, some some computer stuff, social media stuff, and then he he does some writing, and then he does shows at night, two shows, drinks all night, drinks after the shows with the fans, goes to bed, does it all over again the next day. I wanted to kill myself by day three, but. Damn. You know, eventually you just got to go fuck the gym, fuck eating right. I'm just going to dive in. Right. How else do you do it? Because you're doing a show every day, right, in a different city. Two shows every probably. Every day. Two shows a night, you know, jumping on a flight from Dublin to Copenhagen. And then the next day you're in Amsterdam. The next day after that you're in Glasgow. So you had to keep up, but it's hard to keep up. With the booze flow. Yeah, he's a professional. So, Although I did see uh, that podcast you did. I watch uh, a lot of those on YouTube. And uh, you came out of the old sheets drinking that morning, a little uh, little screwdriver to get you back straight. Well, once again, you know, that was day 13 <laughs> out of 14. So <laughs> this was all coming down on me. And uh, he's, I'm laying in bed at 10 a.m. And I just hear, Mark! <laughs> And I'm so hungover that I knew, but I knew I had to go out there. So I just had to pop a, a couple of, of vodka sips just to get through it. Man, truly, it's so it's it's not a fake. It's a, he's really the machine, huh? Oh yeah, he's an animal. It's pretty impressive. I mean, he's got the Mickey Mantle gene, no doubt about it. Wow. <laughs> what about uh, so so? Are you uh, comfortable having a few pops before you go on stage, or is that? Uh, a no-no. I know some guys uh, uh, not big into it, but uh, others, you know, let's roll with it. See where it takes us. I'm comfortable with a, a two, maybe three. But you know, you want to have a good show. Then you got two shows, so you don't want to get too sloppy for the second. But I, I would, I would advise against it if I'm being honest. Uh, maybe drink during, have a pop during the show or an, and after, but. Having drinks before, you get out there, you start slurring. You know, comedy's <laughs> like it's like a boxing match where you want to be sharp. Right, right. What? Uh, anyway, we, we got to get back to the beginning here. You're a New Orleans guy, New Orleans, New Orleans, and uh, you went to college there, right? Oh yeah, for one year, and I failed out. Oh well, mm. that, but then you can still leave it on the resume as that you went there, right? Yeah, then I went to Baton Rouge to go to college, and then I finished online because I just said, what am I doing? This is a waste of time. I'm learning about the Aztecs and the Incas. I'm going up to New York to actually follow my dream. Did you start doing comedy in New Orleans? I did. I started at a little bar in Lafayette, Louisiana, because I was too nervous to see anybody I knew. And uh, after I did that, I was hooked. And then I started looking in the phone book for open mics and comedy clubs. But yeah, New Orleans was pretty much home for me and but i only did maybe a year eight months nine months ten months and then got the hell out of there so do you uh, so your first two minutes on stage you uh did you have a plan or did you uh just wing it how'd it go well i didn't know what the hell i was doing i was taking a speech class in college at the time so i remember taking a, a couple of notes from speech class like all right this is how you give a speech this is how you do it and i worked out a, a few family feud jokes <laughs> and I had a, and I had a yeast infection at the time because I was banging a real sloppy jalopy, and uh, you had the yeast, the yeast infection? infection. Yeah, it's called jock itch for a guy. But it's the oh, same thing. <laughs> well, now I learned something today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you went up with that <laughs> while scratching your junk, or <laughs> how did that work? Yeah, I tried to try to hold off on the scratching, but. Uh, yeah, I was really baking bread downtown. It was ugly. I had a whole 
whole scenario. I had some sourdough cooking. That is crazy. So, so good experience, bad experience. How was the first run? Not of the uh, bread making of the uh, two minutes on stage. It was pretty rough. I mean, I kind of bombed, but I got chuckles here and there, and uh, but I was hooked. But you kind of when you're 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 that new. I was so green that I was so scared that I just uh, I kind of blacked out up there a little bit. And I was pretty drunk, and I don't remember most of it, but it went pretty horribly but i still fell in love with it and i said let me try this again you know it's kind of like i'm trying to think of an example it's almost like a fist fight where like you just you're so keyed up in the middle of it that you don't really get to enjoy it because you're just in it yeah and that's also what's fun about it it's like it takes you out it's like race car driving you have to just focus so much that you're you forget about all your other problems is it still that way a little bit that's part of why we do it but obviously you can you can be more present now because you've done it eight zillion times and you know what you're doing. So, but it, so there's still a rush. So is it is it something where what were that what were, what what made you think throughout your uh, youth or whatever that hey this is the direction I want to go? Were you, were you a funny then? Were you you know was it? I mean what what makes you think hey I should I should give this a run? Uh, Other than the question. not wanting to learn about the Aztecs. Right, right. Well, I was I was a bad student, as most comics are, but I was the class clown, and I know people will shit on the class clown, but uh, I felt like I was pretty good at it. Like, I'd have girls come up to me after and go, hey, you should be funny again. That was exciting. So, oh. always a cut-up, always a douche, always obsessed with comedy. I, as a kid, I watched SNL and Living Color, The Simpsons, Seinfeld, you know, all the Bill Murray movies, shit like that, Animal House uh, so I was just hooked on comedy and I felt like I wasn't a hacky class clown. It was the hacky class clown who made the easy jokes. I tried to kind of get a little more advanced, <laughs> a little and, risky uh, level, two. <laughs> level two. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to just do the basic shit. That but, is uh, crazy. Yeah, so I, I won, I won funniest in high school and all that bullshit, whatever that means. It's and crazy that funny was something I could do. Sorry, what's that? No, no, it's just crazy that most comics were not very good students, and the class clowns didn't do well in college. Yep. It sounds like I, my. It sounds like my resume. It sounds like my resume, and See, I'm not funny. We gotta go on the road, dude. <laughs> Yeah. Although you got to prepare better, I, I, you shit I'm, the bed like you did the day. That ain't oh, gonna go over I'm well. I'm prepared. <laughs> so, so right. how long until we start making money? You got two minutes under your belt. You're thinking this New Orleans thing is bullshit. I need a bigger plan. What 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 are we doing? You you you, you find an open mics just uh, randomly, but you're not get you don't get paid for that, do you? No, no. Sometimes you have to pay to get on. Uh, for me, it was just about the love of the game. I just I had such a wacky life, and I was so such a such a loser that if I could go to New York and get five bucks to perform and tell jokes and write jokes. That's it for me. I'm good. I just don't want to have a day job. Uh, you know, I worked as a janitor. I was a furniture mover, a construction worker, whatever it took. I just wanted to tell jokes. And you kind of just start working your way up the ladder. It probably took five years before I made any decent money. So hmm. what So uh, what was your last real job then? Like, have you ever had like a real job that you had for three years and that's what you had to do to, to chase the dream or what? Oh, yeah. For about two years when I moved, I moved to New York and worked at New York Film Academy as the registrar, which was a horrible gig because you're in an office, you're staring at a computer, and the whole job is to fire kids, or not fire, kick kids out 
who missed attendance, like didn't make the attendance amount. So I'm wow. kicking these poor foreign kids out of their <laughs> fucking film school because they didn't make the right attendance. So I'm trying to live my dream, and I'm yelling at them, going, "Hey, sorry, you didn't you didn't make the quota." We got on their dreams. Nice. Yeah, you got to go back to Prague or or whatever the hell Australia. And uh, sorry, buddy. And they're like, "What? I'm so stoned. No, let me give me another chance." And I was like, "I don't know. It's not me. It's them. I'm gay. I don't know what to do." <laughs> right, so, exactly. It was tough. It was a tough gig. That was that was the last one, and you said, "Screw it. I'm I'm done with this crap, huh?" After that, I went all labor. I was like, "I'm gonna do construction. Let me move some furniture. Let me be a busboy. Let me do uh, like apartment demo work." Because just I don't want to deal with the people. I don't want to bum people out. I don't want to ruin their lives. So I just went, you know, no interaction. Just let me do labor. Right on. And now, and and then it took you a year to get out of uh, New Orleans, or what? Yeah, I just did new, you know, open mics around New Orleans, around Louisiana for. Made not even a year, maybe ten months, eight months, and uh, moved to New York just because I, I wanted to get up every night, even if it was an open mic. I just wanted to—I couldn't get better. Imagine you're trying to learn the piano, and you can only work on the piano for ten minutes once a week. Right. So I knew I had to get better and need more stage time. How long before you let your friends come and heckle you at a show? You said that you were off yeah. and you kind of hide, you know, how long? Because that's important when you get comfortable enough to do your gig in front of people that will really tell your, you if your you're friends good are going to be your worst critics. Right. They're going to be hard on you. Right. Well, my friends are a bunch of, a bunch of mooks, you know, <laughs> down in, they're like southern cunts they're uh, they're all line cooks and mechanics they're like blue collar assholes right so who like to laugh just, right well yeah but they were they weren't nice people really like we we, we go way back but they're uh they just you know douchebags they would stand in the back and heckle me and you know right. ruin my set and then call me a homo for wanting to do something <laughs> in the arts that's but, what i would uh, do to my friends <laughs> yeah right yeah it's not fun and you're a horrible friend but uh yeah, that's what they would do, and it would ruin my show. So I just stopped inviting them. Is it is it is it New Orleans where the uh, where the Rat King is from? Is that is that uh, he's from? I believe Mandeville or Covington, which is like a, a a more hicky suburb. Did you do you ever run into him down there when you were getting started? All the time, he was the guy. Like when I started, he was already had been on MTV, so that was like a huge deal because you know we're a bunch of losers from. Louisiana, and this oh. guy had already been on TV. I always forget that. What was he on, Road Rules or something? Something like that, yeah. And that was when TV was TV. Like, this this was pre-internet, so that was everything. Yeah, right, right. What's her name was on that, too? Uh, Przitsky? I don't even know how you say it. That's Christina. right, that's right. That's crazy. You ever do anything like that? No? No, no. That was way, uh, way out of my league. I, I was... I did Last Comic Standing and stuff like that, but I was... I started way after those guys. Interesting. So what what uh, uh, what uh, what did you find was your sweet spot? Did you, you you do you do you write and go up on stage and run with it, or do you just shoot from the hip? No, I wasn't a hip guy at all. I was uh, I was so nervous. I had such bad stage fright. Still still get stage fright, which is why I go on so much, just to try to curb it. But. It does that yeah, help? The more I, you go on, the easier it gets. Oh yeah, oh yeah, totally, totally. Seinfeld said doing comedy is like an ocean swim. You know, you always have that hesitation, like, ah, oh, do I get in? It might be cold. Uh, I don't want to get in yet, but you just got to dive in, and then you go, oh, that wasn't so bad, and now I don't want to get out. Uh huh. Right. 
So that was a nice little nugget. But yeah, so it still makes me nervous, which is that's why it's fun. You know, once skydiving gets boring, then you stop skydiving. Yeah, or burn out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, what? Uh, how often? Uh, what do you run? A, a fifteen-minute set? How long? What's your What's your sweet spot? Well, like for tonight, I got three shows, and that's in New York, and we call it a showcase show. That's where you, there's about five comics doing fifteen minutes each, and you just run your material, you do some new stuff in the middle. Uh, yeah, so you do different kind of rooms, different kind of audiences. It's, it's great. It's a good time. It's like skateboarding. You know, you want to do a skate park, you want to do a half pipe, you want to do a, a ledge on a on a curb. You got to mix it up. Right, because doing the same exact set every time's got to get a little bit redundant. Oh, it's brutal, and and some guys do it because they just go, ah, I'm over the hill, fuck it, I'm just gonna do my set and go home, get my get my fifty bucks and get out of here. But right, they, it's uh, like it's it's like a relationship where you got to spice it up in the in the bedroom. You know, you can't just do missionary every night. Hey now, mm, you got to think of that. Like when the Eagles are out playing and they got to play the goddamn Hotel California again. Mm, I mean, right. that's got to get old. That's crazy. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So speaking of the bedroom, and here's a good yeah. question. And the only possible answer, or you're going to kill all my hopes and dreams to this question, is yes. All right. Is the okay. Mrs. Fritz story true? Completely true. Uh, let's see. I still don't know what her motive was to this day, but all true. (laughs) And what happened with the paella? Because I got to tell you, honestly, you have my ass laughing on that. And I appreciate that. Thank you for that. This this Thanks, is a, th- this is a current bit. I, I, I'm not familiar. I don't know if it's current or not. I saw it online and it's hilarious as fuck. <laughs> well, everyone will have to check story. it out. Check an it out. Old paella story. <laughs> you can dip into it a little bit, just a just a sample. Just a sample. I uh, 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 what? Uh, well, you got a sample of that one, Mark? Of uh, the story? Yeah. Yeah, basically, I was uh, wor- I was at working at a film school, and I my shower was broken, so I couldn't take a shower, and I was like getting real stinky. I was like five days out without a shower. It smelled like ass. Nice. I was so desperate. I was going around my job and saying, "Anybody, let me use their shower." And the screenwriting teacher, Mrs. Fritz, she was like a kooky hippie kind of lady. She was like, "Yeah, you can use mine, but I have a dinner party tonight." At eight, so come by at like six, shower and get out of there. I said no problem. I show up. There's eight pots boiling. There's this the place setting for all these tables and people and napkins and glasses and flowers. And I go, Jesus, this is quite a shindig you got cooking here. I'm gonna get in and get out. She goes, no problem, but have a glass of wine. And now I have a glass of wine. I have two and I have three. And now it's like seven thirty. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, lady, I gotta jump in the shower. You got people on the way. So I jump in the shower. I get out. And we just start making out, and we ended up banging all night. And I slept over. And nobody showed up. So it was just a front. <laughs> that was an elaborate I scheme. Guess, I by assume, but it was quite a front. I mean, she cooked. And that's where the paella comes in. <laughs> yeah, we had some paella in the middle of the bang, and then we went back to banging. Fuel for the fire. I love it. <laughs> I guess so. Oh, I'm so glad that's true. And that uh, that was at the last job you had then? <laughs> that's probably why you stayed, huh? In case Mrs. Fritz was around. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, Too much. Well, I'd love to, bang her, love to bang her again, but she was 
probably 45 at the time, and I was probably 25 or oh. 23. She's probably, so she's probably uh, like that window closed. Now. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Are you, uh, are you you're a single cat? Nope. No, I got a, I got a hot skank living with me now, and we're uh, having a good time. Nice. Is she uh, in the comedic world or what? Uh, let's see. No, no, no. She's uh, just a nine-to-five cog in the wheel. Ah, uh, someone to get insurance from. I like that idea. That's yeah. the, oh, good thinking. That's the <laughs> ticket. <laughs> right on. So you were saying that you do a little joke writing. Do you? How does that work then? Is that just for yourself, or is that just for shows, or, or uh, you know, like um, what's the what's the avenue for that? Uh, well, you know, you got to write now, you got to write a new hour basically every two years because the, the internet, everybody's pumping out material and you got to stay relevant and have new shit. Then people come and see you and they go, Hey, I saw you live and you did all the same shit you did from the internet. And you go, well, I am not a fucking robot here. I got to you know, have an experience just to have a joke to write about it, blah, blah, blah. So I'm a joke writer all the time. I write jokes. I, I put at least three new jokes on Twitter every day. But I've written for the Bieber Roast and uh, a couple other things. So I can write jokes, but no one will hire me. Interesting. <laughs> Did you uh, – uh, you wrote for the B- Bieber Roast? That's low-hanging fruit, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> like, like that- yeah, yeah, well – Hannibal did it, and he said, "Hey, if you got any uh, jokes, just send them over." And I sent him a bunch of jokes, and a few of them got on TV, and he paid me well, and it was a nice little experience. Nice, that's cool. I, uh, I think that uh, those roast things, I, I don't. I, that's a that's a different world. Uh, writing for a roast, isn't that? Uh, what's his name? Does that Jeff? Uh, Jeff Ross, is that who it is? Who's the yeah, big roast master? Got- He's the roast master. He, I think he's got a couple cats writing for him, which he's he's just locked down in that roast world. He's that's his bread and butter. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I I'm wondering uh, what you have for for a road list uh, uh, this year. I see you're coming out to Acme here in Minneapolis. But, oh yeah. But they have uh, not exactly put it on the site yet. What are the dates on that event? I believe it's October twenty. 20- 3rd, 24th, 25th, whatever that weekend is, 26th, 27th, something like that. So how does that work then? Uh, you go to Acme here instead of uh, the other place. Um, is there yeah. is there like a, like a network? What do you got? You taking the uh, piss here this morning? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> running out some fluids? Oh, I don't care. You got me taking a whiz. That's all right. Um, Special thanks again to Mark Norman for that interview back in June of 2019, back when the world was still spinning and life was normal uh, as it could be. Anyway, uh, the cast and crew will be back next week for uh, the DK Project, hopefully a double episode week. Sergeant Swicer should be back, so that'll be good. We also might get a uh, little call in from the Pernsteiner. He's been busier uh Busier than busy recently, and uh, he's finally going to have some time for us, so we can get an update on what's going on with the Vikes and what's going on in his world. Anyway, if you want to get your hands on that full episode with Mark Norman, it's episode number 32 in the DK Project archives, available wherever you get your podcasts. Otherwise, tell a friend, share the podcast, send a link to someone, post it on your Facebook, let us know how you're sharing it, and we'll be sure to reward you for your efforts. So everybody... Spread the word and tune in next week for another episode of the DK Project.
That's it. That's the end. That's a wrap. Read the shtick. That's a wrap for today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and tell all your friends. If you'd like to reach out, you can use the studio line at 612-504-6500 or by email, the DK Project Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, there's always social media at the DK Project Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.